0: Before I give you the text this morning, I I want to remind you that several years ago, we'd start out every new year with a church-wide memory verse. Now, I know, you know, the Sunday school classes, they uh, have memory verses and what have you, but every year I'd pray and ask the Lord, uh, what would be a really good verse for all of us as a church to remember? And it so happens that our text this morning is one of those verses that we used. Uh, and and I, I've got an idea that we might have used it more than one year because it, it turned out to be, at least in my personal life, one of the most special memory verses that uh, that we had, one of the most helpful. Some of you might remember it from Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 20. Anyone well, n- naturally not. It's, that's been several years ago, and it's been about ten years ago since I even have used this verse. But the truth of it is something we need to keep in mind each and every day of our lives. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 20. He that handleth the matter wisely shall find good. And whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. I want to speak to you this morning about how to have a good and happy new year every year. How to have a good and a happy new year. Uh, Over and over and over again for the last several weeks, we've heard people say, you know, happy new year. I finally got back to trying to walk yesterday and started down the road, and my next-door neighbor, they were getting all set up for the, for the company and the fireworks that uh, blasted the neighborhood, And uh, which is all right. I had earplugs. <laughs> but as I went by, they all waved and hollered, uh, Happy New Year, and we have been hearing that. I'm going to do something better than say Happy New Year. I'm, I'm going to show you from God's Word how we can have a, a Happy New Year. He that handleth a matter wisely shall find good. And whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. Now I want you to focus on two words especially. Notice the word good and the word happy. And whenever you put those two words together, good and happy, it spells something wonderful. To find good and to find happiness. I mean, what more could we want out of life than to have good and happiness? Now that Hebrew word translated good there is a word that speaks about our welfare, our prosperity, our benefit. It's a word that means pleasant or agreeable. In the Bible, by the way, it's translated best eight times and precious four times, so you know you're talking about something really special. Whenever you see that word "good," and and it's and it's that which is good, that which is special, that which is agreeable, that makes us good and enables us to be happy. Now, listen, I don't mean. To say that you're good or that I'm good, that's not what I mean. It's not talking about that. It's talking about something that's good and profitable for you. And I don't mean, whenever I say good and happy, I don't mean to to imply that I'm saying that, that I want you to be good and happy, like really happy. That's not what I mean. I mean that what you experience. By walking wisely, by trusting in the Lord, that's what's good. Walking wisely, trusting in God and the good that comes from that. You know, if we ever realized just how much God wants to bless us, we'd be glad to do His will. Really, most folks have the wrong idea about God. You know, they think of God as somebody who wants to deprive them of all of their rights, all of their privileges, all of their desires, and it's not that way at all. And here we find these two things that are necessary for success, and that's wisdom and faith. God wants us to have success in the sense that it is for our very best, our satisfaction, as Solomon so earnestly sought after. I mean he tried everything under the sun trying to find satisfaction and nothing worked until he trusted in God. We need both wisdom, true wisdom and trust in God. So focus on on the true wisdom. Now, I'm using the word true for for a reason. Because of the fact that the Bible speaks about The worldly wisdom, the wisdom that is of this world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. There are those that think themselves to be wise, but yet the Bible says they are fools. So there is a worldly wisdom, but the wisdom that is from above, James talks about. And that's the wisdom that we see here in this text, and there's a good reason why we need it. It's something that all of us need. Look back at verse 16, if you would. He says, how much better is it to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding and understanding rather to be chosen than silver? You know, there's some folks that'll do absolutely anything in order to get gold or silver. Some folks slit your throat. Some people who work overtime just, you know, to get more money in the bank. That's all they think about is how they can prosper in this world. And yet the Bible says it's a lot better to get wisdom. The Bible tells us that we are to search after wisdom, to seek it with all of our heart. I, I, I just wonder how many people are really earnestly seeking after wisdom. Because we need the wisdom that only God can give. And mark it down, we're all going to face troubles. We're all going to have problems. And sometimes the problem is that we don't handle the problem like we should. But he says, he that handleth a matter wisely shall find good. Sometimes we drop the ball at half court and make a fool out of ourselves because we don't handle it right. I heard about one preacher that did that. He and his wife they had this tradition that uh, they would always, you know, uh, on New Year's they always at Christmas time there'd always be one special gift that was left over, and they they wouldn't open that until uh, New Year's Eve, and that was always looked forward to it. Well, it so happened that night the wife had a had a dream, and she woke up and she was so excited. And you could just see the excitement in her face and hear it in her voice and and uh, said, why, why are you so happy? And she said, because I had a dream last night that I was going to get a big new diamond ring. And she said, uh, said to him, said, what, what do you think, what do you think the dream means? And he said, uh, you'll find out tonight. And she said, really? He said, really, really, you'll find out tonight. Well, sure enough, that night she opened up her gift and found a copy of Sigmund Freud's book, The Interpretation of Dreams. (laughs) So I've got to say that wasn't the smartest move that he ever made. But sometimes we do stuff like that. Sometimes we, as I said, we, we just... Uh, a situation comes up, and we trust ourselves to handle it instead of trusting God. Instead of looking to Him and praying about it and letting Him guide us, we we use that worldly wisdom and uh, and uh, end up as a failure. I can I can't think about this matter without thinking about Joseph. Have you ever tried to really put yourself in his shoes? to think about the injustice that was done unto him. His brothers taking him out there, all because they're jealous, by the way. And they take him out there, and they're going to dump him in a pit. They would put him in a pit, and they're going to just leave him there. And then all of a sudden, they got a the bright idea, well, you know, uh, we could just leave him there and let him starve. Or we could sell him into slavery. And they sold him. others, You know the story. And he suffered one injustice after another, after another, after another. And yet God, because of his wisdom, remember, whenever he was sold into slavery, he could have behaved like a wild man. He could have sought to escape. Whenever he was tempted by Potiphar's wife, he could have said, Baby, that sounds good to me. Let's get it on but he resisted the temptation. He got put in prison then, because she lied, put in prison, and then he interpreted some dreams in prison, and then they forgot about him in prison. But in every instance, when something bad happened, he behaved himself wisely as David did. And as a result of that, he ends up, He ends up going from the pit to the very pinnacle of power and authority in in, in the nation. And here he is as the administrator of the goods during this time of great need. So daddy and his brothers and those back home, they don't know what they're going to do, they're starving and some way they find out why they got they got grain down there in Egypt. Let's go down there. He literally became the physical savior of his own family. And it's all as a result of him behaving wisely. And let me tell you, although your circumstances are much different than his, we can find good by handling matters wisely. Whatever the matter is, there's a lot of different kinds of matter. It might be a domestic problem. It could be a problem on your job. It could be 411 different things. Whatever the matter is, we can find some good in it if we will handle it right. Because there's always a right way and a wrong way. You can't, listen, you can't change the circumstances. Whenever, whenever some evil comes against us, rather than just react to that we ought to respond a reaction is whenever you take a rubber ball and you you throw it and it bounces and somebody and it hits you and you pick it up and you throw it back at them you're reacting to what they did you're letting them control the situation so instead of reacting we ought to respond You you say, "What do we do?" Well, Jesus said, "If somebody smites you on one cheek, turn the other one." But that old part of our human nature doesn't want to do that. Our flesh says, "He slapped me. I'm going to knock him flat out." That's the way we feel and the way that we think. And when we don't handle the matter wisely, we end up not finding the good that we could have had. Now, let's look at the second part here, because not only do we need to learn to walk in wisdom, we need to look to the Lord and lean upon the Lord for our needs. That, listen, that's always the wisest thing that we can do. So if we handle the matter wisely, how are we going to do that? Lean upon the Lord. Trust Him. Look to Him. That's the smartest thing that anybody can do. Whenever we put our trust in the Lord and we look to Him for guidance, we find exactly what we need. But let me tell you, there can be no wisdom without Christ. Amen. If you're here today, you, look, you might be the most intelligent person in this building. You might have more degrees hung upon your wall, upon your office, or something, than anybody else. You've got this degree and that degree, and everything else. You're brilliant. You have a photographic memory and all of that. But if you're not saved, you have no wisdom, true wisdom, that's from above. Let me show you a verse that reinforces what I'm saying and the importance. Of a person having Christ in their life. 1 Corinthians. Chapter 1. And I want you to look at verse number 30 with me. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus. Who of God is made unto us. Wisdom. And righteousness. And sanctification. And redemption. Now notice the order of that. Because it actually begins at the end. It's with the redemption. And then the sanctification and He becomes our righteousness and we begin to live righteously. But notice He's made unto us wisdom. And He noticed that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. He's the source of wisdom. Without Him there wouldn't be any source for, for us to draw from. You can't live by your gut feelings. You can't live your life based on what your neighbor tells you to do. The only way for us to walk wisely is to walk in the light of the Word of God, to walk in the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. The wisest thing we ever do is what? And whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. I got to tell you, I don't know anyone that doesn't want to be happy if we voted this morning and said, how many of you, how many of you want to be just miserable, never happy? Nobody raised their hand for that. Nobody wants a life like that. We all want happiness. And here we find that the way to happiness is what? By trusting in the Lord, because everybody's hungering for happiness, That's all right. Listen, we shouldn't. We shouldn't want to live our life in misery. Happiness is a whole lot better than being beautiful, or handsome. Think about uh, last night. Someone was mentioning we was talking about something, and uh, Elvis Presley came up in the conversation. Now you think about it, most of the women would agree that, that he was the most handsome hunk there ever was, walked on the earth, had all of that money, all of that talent, had the world at his feet, so to speak, and yet he spent his life miserable. Those who really knew him testify to that. I think about Janis Joplin, all of that talent, suicide, John Bellucci. The list goes on and on and on of people that seemingly had it all together, but there was no real happiness. You can't find happiness just by being rich and by being famous. But you can be happy without any of those things You don't have to be beautiful. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be famous. And it's just so sad to see so many people that's sad when it doesn't have to be that way. Let me tell you, God's not a cosmic killjoy that just wants to ruin our lives like some people think. He's very much concerned about our happiness. And by the way, he says a great deal about that. Do you know God made us and created man with that empty place within us that only He can fill, only He can satisfy. And it's not until we come to Jesus who is called the bread of life and He said, if you eat of this bread, you'll never get hungry again. If you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. You see, God is concerned about your happiness, concerned about your welfare, concerned about that which is good in your life. And so rather than holding Him at arm's length, rather than doubting His exceeding great and precious promises, we ought to embrace those promises. He's the only source. Remember, whenever I was a boy, in was a certain place that me and dad used to hunt a lot, and there's an old quarry there. The old quarry was full of undrinkable water, but you couldn't get to it. But there was a little old schoolhouse that had been empty for years and years in a spring. And we would hunt, and we would go, and we'd go, and we'd go, and go. But we always knew, it. and by the way, that was the only place anywhere around there you was going to get drinkable water. There's always that that spring down at the old schoolhouse. That was the only source anywhere around there. And let me tell you, Jesus is the only source that will ever satisfy your soul. The only source of true happiness. But we have to appropriate what what He has provided. And we do that by simply what? Simply trusting Him. There's some folks that have just given up on their hunt for happiness. They've just quit. They've convinced themselves that it cannot be found anywhere, and so I'll turn to alcohol or I'll turn to drugs. Always looking for something, never finding it, until finally they they just give up. The fact is, you can find it, you can discover that happiness that has eluded you all of your life. God, listen, God offers it, but you, listen carefully, you must and you may receive it only by childlike faith. It's not enough to say to the Lord, Lord, I, I, I'm, I never miss a service. You look at my record, Lord, I've not missed Sunday school in 20 years. And besides that, Lord, I, I even give more than the tithe and I sing in the choir and I do this and I do that. And you've got all of your records out there for God to look at. And none of it's good enough to impress the Lord until, first of all, you have put your trust in Him as your Lord and Savior. So now let's go back to wisdom for just a minute here. Now, you see, that brings us back to this childlike faith. True wisdom goes beyond human reasoning and planning. A lot of times we think that we're using wisdom whenever we're facing a situation, and so we say, well, I'm going to really think about this several days, and I'm going to to work out a plan that will be the wisest thing to do. In the first place, you don't have enough brains to work out the best plan. I don't either, by the way. I'm not trying to insult you. I'm trying to get you to see the shortcomings of man without God. We just don't have it within ourselves to know what we ought to do and how we ought to do it and when we ought to do it. Real wisdom relies upon God rather than self. You know, you think about what the Lord says in Hebrews chapter number 11. i got all of these heroes that accomplished so much. These men and these women that God had used so mightily. And in each case, it was all because of what? That one factor, faith. Because of their faith, their faith in God. And whenever you look at that that list of those heroes of the faith, you have to come to the conclusion that whenever God is well pleased because we're trusting Him, that everything in our life is some way going to work together for good. And That's what he says here. Walk in wisdom, basically. He said, walk in wisdom and we follow God. And what does he say? You'll find good. When we trust the Lord, we find happiness. So we are good and happy. We're happy for several reasons whenever we do that. Maybe you say, Well, I'm happy because I I feel better than I ever have. Yeah, and that'll probably change tomorrow. Feel good today, but uh Tomorrow you might have a migraine headache. Tomorrow you might, you know, have a toothache. But whenever our faith is rooted and founded in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He did, and we're trusting Him, we have reason to be happy. Our sins are forgiven. How about that? Let me tell you, there's not anything I know of that can torment a person more than a guilty conscience. That knowing within your heart. You, you, you see, you, you, think, you think you're getting by with it, but really not, you're not. You're indicting yourself, that conscience that God put within you, Amen. testifying as to the, the awfulness of the evil that you've committed. But boy, to think about forgiveness. The record's clear today for he washed my sins away. The old account was set long ago. Thank God for that. Our life is changed. It's wonderful that God forgives us of our sin, but it's wonderful that God doesn't just stop there and say, I'm glad he didn't just, whenever he saved me, say, now look, you're saved, son. You're one of mine. Now when you die... And you probably, you probably will. You, you pro- probably, probably keep going back down to that honky talk, and you'll get drunk and get killed in the car. But when you die, you come home to glory. And I'm, I'm going to save you anyway. I love you. All your sins are forgiven. Go on back to your bar stool. I'm so glad that he didn't just forgive my sins. He started the process of changing my life. And that's what He does to to all of those. We become what? A new creature. We're not the same. We're not perfect, but we're not the same. We're not perfect, but we're better than we've ever been before. And we're not nearly so good as we will be someday when we have a glorified body. And then we we have a sense of purpose in life. I never had that before until I got saved. I didn't have a sense of purpose. It was all about whatever was going to make me happy, whatever I was going to enjoy. I never never thought about having a real purpose that amounted to anything. But God gives us a sense of purpose with a, the promise of a, an eternal reward. Why, how, how is it that we wouldn't be happy? with Christ as our Savior. Not only our Savior, but also our helper. How can we help but be happy? And according to our text, if you really believe what the Bible says, you've got to admit that we can be happy regardless of our situation. Regardless of what the matter is, the situation, the circumstances, we can be happy if we trust in God. That's what he says. That's where it comes from. It's not from our human effort, it's from trusting in the Lord. There is a sense, I want you to listen very carefully, because somebody wrote a book, a popular book several years ago, said happiness is a choice. Now that's not altogether true, but he thought it was. But there is a sense in which happiness Depends on you. Now I say that because others can tell you about the Lord, but only you can believe the Lord. They can give you the facts, but you have to have the faith. So when you say that happiness is a choice, it's not the choice of just choosing, I'm going to be happy. How's that work for you? It doesn't work very good. A lot of times, you know, we make those New Year resolutions. I'm going to do this now. I'm going to have a happy I'm going to be happy this year. And then we go moping around in our misery. So it's not a matter of just choosing to be happy. The choice has to do with you trusting God and doing His will. And when you do that, He's the one that makes you happy your search for satisfaction your hunt for happiness the old song trust and obey had it right when we trust and obey that's when we find the happiness that is so elusive but that happiness depends on what it depends upon our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ He said, well, I don't understand why faith is so important. Well, it's important because it pleases God. And in reality, it's only by pleasing Him that we can ever be pleased ourselves. Faith brings a happiness because God is pleased, and the result of that, knowing that, that we've done that which is according to His will, that we have satisfied Him in some way, that brings a special peace and happiness to our heart that we can't find anywhere else. You ever thought about how horrible, how terrible, how disrespectful it is to God for us to say, I'm not going to trust you. I'm not going to believe that all things work together for good. I'm just not going to believe it. Faith in God brings him honor. And that's why it's so very important. We either honor God by our faith or we dishonor God as a result of it. Let me leave you with a couple of verses. Proverbs 28, verse 14 says, Happy is the man that feareth. The word feareth speaks about our reverence for the Lord. Happy is the man that feareth always, not just once in a while. You know, in other words, it becomes a a manner of life that we reverence God, we fear God in our everyday life. Usually, you know, we fear God only whenever the bottom falls out of our little world and all of a sudden things are not going right and we're miserable and we need God's help and it's Oh, I'm afraid I'm afraid what God's going to do, or we've committed some sin, and all of a sudden we become fearful of what God's going to do. God is due that respect twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, every day of the year. Happy is the man that feareth always. We can't put our game face on on Sunday and expect God to be satisfied when we live the other six days of the week as we please. Proverbs nine and ten says, the fear of the Lord. Now notice the connection in all of this now. Happy is the man that feareth always, and here the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. So fearing God has to do with having a reverence for God. And as I said, the most disrespectful thing you can do is to to, to refuse to believe God. I've told the story I know before. I was the man up there in Kansas City, and I was in a revival meeting. went over there and talked to him about the Lord, and he said, oh, he couldn't be saved. Why? He said, well, I'll show you. you got up and opened the door of the refrigerator full of beer. He said, uh, he, he, "He said uh, someday I, maybe I'll become a Christian, but he said, I couldn't give that up. I, I've got to have my beer every, every, every day. And he about came, when I said, I'm not asking you to stop drinking your beer, I, Stop drinking your beer. That's not going to help you get to heaven. I'm I'm encouraging you to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. God will do that, taking care of the rest of that stuff. Simple childlike faith in the Lord not only pleases God, but you will find that... that that you've been searching for all of your life. You can have a good and a happy new year. It's a promise to all of us. There are no exceptions for all of those. If we handle the matter wisely, we deal with our business in a wise fashion, and the only way we can do that is for us to trust in the Lord. And that's when the happiness comes into play. It's your choice. It's your choice. But the only choice you have is by turning everything over to the Lord and trusting Him to do what you could never do yourself and to give you what you need more than anything else in this world. Would you do that this morning? I'm not asking you to climb a mountain. I'm not asking you to deplete your bank account. I'm not asking you to do anything difficult. Just just trust God to do what He promised He would do. We're going to extend this invitation in just a minute. Maybe you're here and you think, well, preacher, if you knew where I'd been, what I'd done, you wouldn't you wouldn't even uh, Cared to take any time with me. Oh, yes, we would. Jesus died for you. There's not one person here today that is unimportant. Jesus shed his blood for each and every one of us, and he's willing to save whosoever will. But you have to trust him. Put your faith in his sacrifice, and you can become a child of God, and I promise you, this will be the happiest day of your life. Let's all stand together, Brother Myrick, if you and the musicians would come, and we're going to sing this invitation song, and boy, what a a great song this is. It doesn't get any better than what we're about to sing right now because it gets to the very root of everything we need, and that's God's amazing grace. And it might be that you're here today and you've been saved for many years now, but you haven't had a good and a happy year. Why don't you just come this morning and turn it all over to God and say, Lord, I've had a miserable year because I didn't handle some things wisely like I should have. And I didn't because I put my trust in, in myself And I ain't going to do that no more. I'm going to trust you. While we sing, you come. Amazing grace.